0: Wow, good morning, everyone. It's great to be able to preach and speak to you this morning. But actually, what I want us to do first is to have a moment of quiet. You know, God's been speaking to us this morning, and I just want you to position yourself, because it's actually more important for you to hear what God wants to say into your heart than me, okay? So can we just have a moment of quiet? And just in this environment where God has just been speaking quite a few things to us just 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 still your heart position yourself before god and just let him speak let him draw close let him speak to you just for a a couple of minutes I just love that promise that uh, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That is just so true, isn't it? If you're just still receiving from God, then you just carry on that. Just let me be in the background. Yeah, my name's Duncan. I'm on the leadership team here. And I have um, a namesake in the congregation also called Duncan. And, you know, we've got some similarities. We've both got a sister that's about three years younger than us, both called Rachel. Rachel. Isn't that amazing? I think that's where the similarities stop because he's tall and I'm short and he's youngish <clears throat> and I'm old-ish, he's intelligent. Oh, I'll let you tell, Let come to me and tell me who you think's the most handsome afterwards because that would be embarrassing to hear now, isn't it? Tom began last week with a great illustration of he was dealing with a thorny bush a prickly bush. And, you know, the subject of money is a bit prickly, isn't it? And this morning I'm going to do some more prickly stuff, but I also promise that there will be a fruit tree as well um, towards the end. If you can turn to 2 Corinthians and chapter 9, we're going to be reading, um, we're going to split the reading today, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, the first few verses, um, and then um, we'll do the other few verses a bit later on. So, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 1 says this, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry. This is what Paul is saying. this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving, But I'm sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready, as I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We will be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I would send these brothers, that was Titus and a couple of other uh, chaps, ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Paul, here in this passage, is um, giving a message about giving to the poor and how important that is and actually how visible that ministry is. In these verses, we see the gift of administration in operation. Now, don't switch off because actually um, good admin, good money admin is important. I'll give you the backstory to this. Jerusalem, And the surrounding area of Judah had been suffering a severe famine. And this famine had been going on for about 10 years. So this wasn't just a temporary shortage of toilet rolls and a few pasta things like we experienced. This was a 10-year serious famine that had gone on. And Paul had appealed to the church to set aside um, gifts on the first day of the week Money for the poor. I guess he was saying, you know, set up a Jerusalem relief fund. You can pick up his nervousness in what we've read, though, because he's just double-checking that these, this rich, Christian, uh, rich, rich Corinthian church had in fact done this, and they'd got their act together and had made this collection for the poor. This collection was part of a, a larger gift from the churches in the region of Galatia, Asia Minor, Macedonia, and Greece, And the church in Macedonia was not a rich church, but they had been inspired by the Corinthian example of giving. Paul had encouraged them all to gather the gifts, and when he visited, uh, arrangements would be made for the transfer of this money. This would have obviously been on horseback in a leather bag or something. It wouldn't have been by bank transfer. This money would have been taken to Jerusalem to help the believers there. So this collection was not a quick whip round of spare cash. No, this was a deliberate putting aside, saving up the gifts for a year. So this was likely to be, uh, have been a significant amount of money. It was not a tiny handout to the poor. And the Corinthian church's giving, how they had given, had really inspired and enthused other churches to give. And Paul commends them for this because money had been a bit of an idol for them in the past but note that Paul calls this a ministry of giving and this gift is given in both personally and as a church ministry you know as a church we can be an inspiration with our offerings to the poor And I wanna challenge us, do we follow that example of giving offerings to the poor when we are able to, and on gift days, you know, to set aside amounts each week or month to give? Sounds like budgeting to me, that, doesn't it? And that is good money administration. And can I encourage you to follow this example, to save up for special, significant giving events? You know, the temptation is that we divert our regular giving to the special offering, and that is a treasurer's nightmare. I don't know if John's here this morning, but that is a treasurer's nightmare because we've got to pay the electricity bill as well. It's not explicit in this passage, but it appears that the Corinthians gave this gift to the poor on top of their regular giving and there's blessing to be received from such giving, and we'll see that later on. You see, part of holy living, which is what we've been looking at this year, is godly money administration. It's not to be maxed out on your credit card. Using your money wisely is holy living. Teaching your kids and your teenagers to value money. Budgeting. Being content with what you have. And living within your God-given income. That's holy living. If you need help in this area, there's some clever people in this church who will be able to give you some help in that area. And please do ask if money management is an issue for you because we'd be pleased to serve you in that way. So follow the Corinthians. Each week and month, put aside gifts for the kingdom. Having a standing order to Christ church is a great way to begin to do this. And also to set aside a budget for giving to the poor at Christmas and on gift days. Giving to church and to kingdom activity, you know, is worship. Putting your hands in your pocket and giving is just is no different from putting your hands in the air and worship. It's all worship. Paul then goes on to speak about two very important principles Um, that apply to giving. And I want us just to read about those now. And that's from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9 and verse 6. We'll read to the end of the chapter there. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources And then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ and that they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace of God that God has given to you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. Amazing Words there. So we've got two principles that we need to grasp here. The first is to sow generously. Paul gives a picture to help us understand this spiritual principle. This applies to the money of giving of money as well as other gifts. It's a simple farming picture, it's obvious. We can all understand it. If you plant a few seeds, you'll get a small crop. But if you plant generously or bountifully, as the ESV says, you will have a generous harvest. So here is an important spiritual kingdom principle. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And if you sow generously, you will reap a generous harvest. So do you give generously, expecting a harvest from what you sow into? Or is your mindset, give a little to help the church out, you know, they're a good cause. (laughs) Let's have a little whip round type mentality to keep the church club going. Keep the staff employed, you know, make sure size kids have got shoes. You know, do we have that sort of mentality? Keep the charity afloat. You know, as a church, we are not an organisation. We are not a social club. We are a family and part of the kingdom of God here in this area. The kingdom of God needs money. Okay. When you give generously, you are sowing into the expansion and the growth of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Paul is encouraging us to willingly, cheerfully, generously give to the work of the kingdom. Listen how he describes it. Give willingly, not grudgingly. Give willingly after deciding in your heart. Give willingly, not reluctantly. Give willingly, not as a response to pressure. Give willingly and cheerfully. And that word cheerfully means hilariously. Do you hilariously give? I can't see anyone responding. Do you hilariously give? Well, there's room for growth there, isn't there, for us? God loves you to give in this way. God loves you to give cheerfully. Don't you love it when your children say, get out of the habit of saying, mine, 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 and start to share? Don't you love that in your kids? That's exactly how God loves you. He loves it when you're generous. And did you know that your gift is a spiritual gift? And that the spiritual power In giving, Romans 12, verse 7 says, If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If it's teaching, teach well. If your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. Have you ever prayed for that gift to be able to give generously? We saw in 1 Corinthians 14 that we are to pursue and to desire spiritual gifts. Do you desire that spiritual gift of giving? If you're self-employed or have your own business, do you pray that you're going to make mega amounts of money so that you can give mega amounts of money away to the kingdom? Do you ask God for more money so you can be generous towards the poor or to spend on yourself, upgrade whatever you've got at home? Do you get excited at having a pay rise so you can give more to the kingdom of God? John Wesley says, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. I think that's great, isn't it? Earn all you can, get the best job you can, save as much as you can, and give as much as you can. When we look at our bank statement, remember that the amounts that you give to the kingdom are not like a household expense. They're not like your gas bill or your council tax. Remember that your gifts are worship to God. Phil Moore said, no statement of faith reveals what we believe as clearly as our bank statements. Ouch. And with days of contactless payment, I just know how many coffees I'm buying. In the previous chapter, chapter 8 and verse 7, Tom referred to this last week, Paul said, I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. So don't just do well in giving, excel in giving. You know, aim high in your giving, so generously into the kingdom. Can I ask you, why do you give? Do you give out of a sense of duty or habit or guilt? Do you give as an emotional response to what you see or hear to some pressure? What motivates you to give to the kingdom, to give to Christchurch? You know, comic relief and children in need put pressure on the public. I'm not criticising them for this. They pull on people's heartstrings with the film clips that they show, don't they? And cause an emotional response. You know, we do not need to have pressure put upon us to give. Because within you is a seed give of generosity in your heart. There is a grace upon your life to give. A seed of generosity which can grow. Why? Because you have been given so much. You know, in my previous church, um, they were doing uh, a huge development project. They were ripping out horrible old pews and making the the building uh, much more fit for today's worship. And Some uh, of our people in that time double tithed. They, for a season, increased their tithe. They doubled what they were giving. How do you sow into the kingdom of God? How do you sow into the ministry of Christchurch? Sparingly? Are you mean, tight-fisted or generous? Ouch, sorry. You know, you can, you know, you can sow generously... Because God is generous. In the Garden of Eden, God's creation, you know, was generous. He created many more animals and birds and trees and plants and vegetables and fruits than Adam and Eve would ever need. God also created gold in the Garden of Eden. Did you know that? And gemstones and onyx stones. You can read about it in Genesis chapter two. Why did he do that? Adam didn't need a gold engagement ring. He had his wife, didn't he? They didn't need gold. They were created because God is a generous God. And you know, a little bit of a side, can I encourage you this week to be praying for the COP26 conference because Adam and Eve were also given stewardship over the garden, and we need to steward um, our environment in these days. So can I encourage you to, to pre- be praying uh, this week for that um, conference? Anyway, God was generous in the garden. God was also generous in uh, the wilderness. You know, their shoes didn't wear out. Food fell out the sky. They entered a land described as flowing with milk and honey. And ultimately we see the generosity of God in sending Jesus, His Son, to this earth, because He loves us. And Jesus was generous, wasn't he, in his ministry? He fed 5,000 people, but there was loads of food left over. He was a guest at a wedding and miraculously created an enormous amount of wine for that event. Jesus is generous in his forgiveness. He forgives all of our sin, not some of it. Jesus, in giving his life for us, has generously provided everything we need for now, life for now, and forevermore. 2 Peter 1, verse 3. You know, Father God so loved the world, his generous love is way beyond our comprehension. Not just enough love, but generous love. And you, as a child of God, carry God's heart within you in your new nature. Therefore, you are a generous person. You are built for generosity. It's in your new nature as a child of God. In verse 13, it tells us that generosity is proof of discipleship. His Spirit has given you a generous heart. You can still be thrifty with yourself if you want to be, but you've got a generous heart. We don't buy our salvation, but giving is an outworking of our salvation. It's a consequence of our relationship with Father God. You know, we can regularly and hilariously and generously sow into the kingdom of God through this local church, helping the poor here in Helsham, contributing to the needs of other believers with whom we have relationship in other churches in Eastern Africa, in Bulgaria, and Mexico, and part of your giving goes to the poor regularly in that way. That's an aside to special offerings. And as another little aside, can I encourage you to maybe consider um, uh, giving gifts to organizations like Tear Fund, that's the Evangelical Alliance Relief Fund? You know, they really have a, a heart to not just hand out money to people but to help. People up. Give them a hand up. Cy, in fact, has been doing some of that through Catalyst, and I hope he's going to tell us about that uh, sometime. Anyway, little digression there. And you know, the bonds that we have with other believers grows as we give to the needs of other believers around the world. Verse 14 Um, echoes that. The Gentile church here was giving to the Jerusalem church, and that built up and strengthened the bond of relationship. This is kingdom finances outworking practically. This is a million miles away from having a whip round for the poor, or a whip round for the church electricity bill, throwing a fiver into the collection. You know, money is powerful, and it is not evil, it is the love of money that is the root of all evil, when it has power over us. The kingdom of God needs money. You have money, however rich or poor you are. Therefore you have power to use your money for spiritual good. The amount you give is not important. Tom reminded us last week, didn't he, of the, the widow. She gave all she had. You don't have to be a millionaire to have a generous heart. Another prickly bit. You might want to um, just chew this over over lunch or maybe stumble over over lunch. Do you need to leave huge amounts of money in your will for charities and for family to inherit? Don't misunderstand me because Proverbs 13.22 says... A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So there's no, no issue in leaving money to your children or your grandchildren, that's fine. But ask the question, has God got kingdom purposes for any savings that you might have? And what charities should you be giving money to um, in any will? Just leave you to chew that one over because I think that's actually important. That's an important issue. So how much do I give? Tom threw out a challenge last week, which I thought was a very interesting challenge. To those of you who are not yet regularly giving, to set up a standing order for one pound a month to the church. And I hope that some of you have done that. I hope that you could rise to the challenge of maybe being more generous than one pound a month. Oh, another prickly bit. (laughs) The New Testament doesn't teach us actually to give 10% of of our income. It teaches us to be generous. Another prickly bit. I want to suggest to you that some of you may be missing out on the blessing of giving by limiting your giving to 10%. You may well be in a very different position to a lot of people in the church. Why not increase your tithe a little bit? Oh, that's hilarious giving, isn't it? What about giving 12% or 15 or 20 percent any higher takers interestingly here paul says you must decide in your own heart how much to give the onus is on you it's between you and god the new testament won't tell you how much to give except to be generous and to be a hilarious giver God is generous. We carry his heart. So you are a generous person. The mean old Duncan can go. I'm not talking about the other Duncan. The mean old Duncan can go. You are built for generosity. You are wired to be generous. It is in your new nature as a child and son and daughter of God. Therefore, so hilariously, so generously, regularly and with special gifts. Giving generously does not only apply to money, it applies to every gift that God has given to us. Right, secondly, in this uh, passage, he gives us another principle. First one is to sow generously. Second one is to expect increase. Increase is an outcome of generosity. No farmer will sow seeds expecting a zero return for his efforts, A farmer sows with the expectation that he will reap a harvest, that he'll make a profit, and from the harvest, he'll have seeds to plant the next year. Verse 10 says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. As we cheerfully and hilariously give to God, we are to expect increase now prosperity teaching you're saying oh dear we don't like that do we prosperity teaching says financial blessing is always the will of God for you in its crudest form prosperity teaching says if you give my church or if you give my organization a thousand pounds then God will give you a thousand pound back and more this is not biblical truth As we have just read, the increase that God gives is one of righteousness. That can also be translated as resources. And they are, I believe, the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit. Let me give you an example. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went into the temple and were confronted by a man who was begging for money. He'd been lame uh, from birth. Now, Peter and John had just experienced Pentecost. They were baptised in the Spirit. The believers in the time were giving away everything. They were giving to the poor um, out of their pockets. But what did Peter say to this beggar? I don't have any 50p bits left. I haven't got any silver or gold. But what I have, I give you. I give you the gift of healing. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Peter and John were prospering. Yes, (laughs) But they didn't have any money, but they gave from the deeds of righteousness, the spirit that was imparted to them. Verse 8 tells us, and God will generously provide all you need, you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Paul is saying, when you give to God, He will give you increase. You're going to have plenty. This could be financial. It could be some other resource, but it will be increase. It will be a harvest in you to give away. This is kingdom increase. It's a different sort of economy. It's like yeast. It grows. You know, when I was a kid, my mum had this um, ginger plant, um, And it was in some bucket in in the kitchen and it bubbled away and you divide it and put it in another container, put some more water within it, grows and grows. And eventually we had all these containers around the kitchen with this smelly ginger beer plopping away. That's how the kingdom grows. It increases. We give from what God has given to us. He gives increase. A harvest of seeds to plant again And so the kingdom grows. That's the multiplication of the kingdom. This multiplication is to do with the fruits and gifts of the spirit and righteousness. And with multiplication, we move into Father God's provision, generosity and increase. This gives us the means and the opportunity to do more. Verse 11 says, we are enriched in generosity, it's a constant cycle: sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting, giving generously, seeing increase. One commentator said, "The greater the giving, the greater the enrichment; the greater the enrichment, the greater resources to give." Proverbs eighteen, uh, Proverbs eleven twenty-four says this. Give freely and become more wealthy. I love the Proverbs. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Okay? So if you don't give, you're going to be stingy and you're going to lose everything anyway. So what's the point? The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And Proverbs 19 verse 17, if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord. And he will repay you. We had a prophetic word um, some years ago about this church before we moved into here, this building, being a storehouse. And Malachi 3, verse 10 says about the storehouse. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now, you can translate that in New Testament terms as bring your generous gift into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts. God says put me to the test so generously put me to the test if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing upon you until there is no more need and that's until the return of Jesus. Jesus said in Luke 6, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and into your lap. Isn't that incredible? Just just listen to that again. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, Shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. That is a generous picture, isn't it? The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. We cannot outgive God so generously and expect increase. Lastly, Paul Barnett said, "When we opt out of giving, we opt out of the privilege of meeting human need. And also deny ourselves the honour of promoting God's glory. When we give, we are promoting God's glory. Why would we not want to give? Increase is for sharing. And through this, God will be glorified. Summing up. It's not actually about how rich or poor you are. Freely you have received and freely you can give. When we exercise the generous spirit from within us, flowing from all that God's outrageous grace has given to us, our generous, faithful father will give you increase. Multiplication, riches beyond your expectation, that will bring glory to God. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Worship team, come and uh, we'll sing a song to close. As they're coming, uh, let's just have um, a word of prayer. Just remember that uh, holy living, part of holy living, is having a generous and having our finances well managed. Father, we just thank you for the riches that you have given to us. Father, we thank you so much that uh, uh, all of us have money in our pockets, be that little or small, and that you want us to manage what you've given us well. Thank you that you have given to us a generous heart, a generous spirit. And help us, Lord, to manifest that with our money and our gifts, everything that you've given to us. And we thank you for that wonderful kingdom principle that as we sow generously, you give increase so we can give again. Help us, Lord, to really be hilarious givers. Help us to be cheerful Give us, help us to sow into your kingdom purposes and to glorify Jesus in that. Can you this morning just decide to be generous because God has already decided that he's going to be generous to you. (laughs) Can you decide in your heart to be a generous sower and an expectant reaper for the glory of Jesus, amen.